me. From Studio P, Sausalito, home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. The number one comedy podcast about comedy... Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast commentator, Mark Hershon. Ah, yes. Hello and welcome to another episode of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. I am Mark Hershon. This is Suckatash. Uh, very exciting. Uh, we have a in-studio guest today. Uh, we also uh, have a great rundown of clips for you today, including a very special new edition uh, for Mr. Will Durst, uh, internationally famous political comic, uh, who will be uh, supplying us with the material every week, starting or every show. Anyway, uh, let's uh, meet our guest, Mr. Mark Pitta. Hello, Mark. It's funny you should say that because um, that's what I've found listening to people's podcasts are uh, they're inconsistent. Mm-hmm. I was listening to one. I go, well, I should pick the the mo- the most current one, and some of the most current ones were last year. <laughs> yes. And they had 200 of them, but they kind of ran out of steam or something. Uh, yeah, and I found I go, hey, this one sounds funny, and then you find out the last time it was on was like 2009. Yeah, it's like wow, they got the they got the guy who streaked the Oscars. That's pretty good, you know. It's, <laughs> didn't know they had podcasts back then. Uh, for a bit of background information, Mark Pitta is a stand-up comedian, mm. actor, mm. Uh, rock rock on tour, and also show producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's yes. definite badge I wear. Mr. Pitta has been uh, producing a show uh, here in uh, Northern California in Mill Valley uh, at the 142 Throckmorton Theater. Um, for over six years now. Six years, six Mark. Years. And uh, I only get bad email when it's uh, one bad show. We had a bad show. Uh, why am I talking about a bad show? <laughs> six years of great shows. I had one bad one. That's when people write me. <laughs> no one ever writes you and says, great show. I always think that way about doctors. Nobody ever goes to the doctor and goes, hey, just stop in to say I feel great. Yeah. No, it's yeah. always they got something wrong I just with just want them. to say hi and get rid of my fear of going to the doctor. <laughs> Thought I'd come and not have anything probed. Um, so you've been doing the show. It's on Tuesday nights. What? Right. Yes, it's on Tuesday evenings at eight p.m. on the nose. And uh, you've had how many? How many comedians do you think have crossed the Throckmorton stage under your guidance? Two thousand eight hundred seventy-four. Wow, that's very accurate. Yeah, I don't know, uh, <laughs> but you know, you figure five to six comics every Tuesday for six years, and then some repeat, so you can't count them again. So, who are some of your favorite comics that have uh, visited your show? Oh, some have visited only once, and I wish I could have them back, like Larry Miller, who we're going to mm-hmm. hear later, and, uh, of course, Rick Overton, Robin Williams, Dana Carvey. Of the names, I have a lot of nice uh, uh, memories of comedians that aren't famous, and uh, what invariably happens, because uh, I don't have great organizational skills, like I'll be in the green room, and at quarter to eight, some comedian will be walk in. I'm like, oh, did I book you? <laughs> they go, yeah, you booked me a month ago. Oh, okay. Well, you're on. You're on. You put everybody on. Yeah. But that could be a way people get into my show. Oh, you booked me. <laughs> no. And for those of you who do not know uh, what the sort of landscape of stand-up comedian uh, uh, venues are anymore, uh, the Throckmorton show has become fairly renowned among comedians as a great show to play. If you're going to be in Northern California, you got to get a hold of Mark Pitta. You got to try and get on this show. Yeah. Um, and the thing, the, the problem with that also is that it's a theater. So a lot of comics who've been doing it a long time, we love theaters as opposed to clubs. So you get a guy in there that doesn't know that and he plays the theater like a club. 
And what would make some noise, Mill Valley? <laughs> like, uh, what, they're here to see a show. I mean, they know you're what you're going to do. So, what would what would the main differences be between a theater uh, audience and a and a nightclub audience, or just those performance venues? Blender drinks. <laughs> and in a club, you're competing with <laughs> that. Uh, no wait staff, so no one's bothering you at your table. No one's dropping checks at your table. Right. They're just facing forward, and that's all you want. Okay. Uh, Mark also hosts a podcast uh, called Almost, uh, not Almost Live. But that's that's, a, that's, <laughs> Wait, a, that's, that's a show in, that that's was a in show, Seattle. That's a show in Seattle that Joel McHale was part of. But no, who the host was uh, uh, Ross Schaefer. Ross Schaefer. That's right. Almost Live. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but it is. Um, I miss shows like that. I miss I know. local shows like that because you really got your feet wet uh, with television and how it works and where you have to stand and don't be nervous and. And I was watching a documentary on Queen recently that was on the BBC, and they were very popular uh, everywhere else but America, and they would play football stadiums. So when Live Aid happened, Bob Geldof said, Queen, you're doing Live Aid. You're going to re-band, because they really hadn't done anything in a while. And they they were the only band that knew how to play to 70,000 people. Wow. And the the other acts in the, in the, in the backstage... We're listening, and they go, uh, you guys paying attention? Because uh, they're stealing the show. <laughs> and they had that show in the palm of their oh, hand. Funny. And they, everybody did 18 minutes, and they're the only one people remember from that show. So when you do these little shows like Almost Live and uh, you know, thing with Igby's Comedy Tonight, and yeah. all this, when you finally do the Tonight Show, that's all, you've done it. You've, you've done, it, you've done yeah. television, so now you're just worried that you're going to do well on Johnny Carson. Or, yeah. or Jimmy Fallon or whoever. But your podcast is actually called After Hours with Mark Pitta. Yeah, because uh, I do it after uh, their people are done. Yeah, and we uh, played a clip from you a couple of episodes ago with uh, Jimmy Fallon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have a clip for us uh, tonight from uh, or today or whenever someone's listening to this uh, from uh, your show that's currently uh, uploaded online, your most recent mm-hmm. show with uh, with comedic great Mort Saul. I talked to Mort for about an hour fifteen minutes, and I realized I have to I have to put this in two parts. Because I, I I have short attention span. I don't think people listen to a full hour of the podcast, even if they're enjoying it. So, uh, and I have tips later how you can enjoy every podcast. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I sat down with Mort in his apartment. And uh, like I wrote, it's less out of an interview as it is a conversation where uh, we just kind of blend and shift into new topics without being official about it. Let me talk to you now about Kennedy. You know, we, we didn't do All that. Right. We just got into it. So this clip I chose because uh, Mort and I go to the movies. I, I talk about movies with Mort. What was the best decade for movies? I think probably around the 70s. You know, McQueen and Lee Marvin. And uh, and the writers were breaking ground, the directors and the editors. And the producers who chose the material were usually enterprising agents out of New York. They used to buy books. That doesn't happen anymore. And the culture has turned around to where men are the enemy. And that movie with Annette Benning, she in, in publicizing, what was the name of that? What, the, was, it, what, was, it, what was it about? The one about the two women raising a family. Oh, uh, the kids are all right. Yeah, that's right. In other words, they're better men than we are. That's what it's about. I used to be excited to go to the movies. Now, if a movie comes out and it has proper advertisement that makes me interested in it, I, I think, oh, I'll see that in three months at my house. It all preaches hopelessness. Yeah. And we've got enough of our own without that that uh, manifesting it. 
Jane Eyre again? <laughs> what, what did you say? When- Hannah without her sisters. <laughs> I mean, it, it's unbelievable. Uh, I, I, and... And the comedians don't find anything in this. There's an interview in uh, Rolling Stone with Bill Maher. Mm-hmm. The Republicans are all greedy. And, uh, I mean, is that really what the Republican Party is about? Why isn't there a Republican run against Obama? How could that be? How could Wall Street not have a guy they want in there? Because he's there already. Uh-huh. There is no Republican Party. Uh, do you think there's going to be a third party? Yeah, I do. And I think it should be Ron Paul and Jesse Ventura. And I think we should get all the kids from Berkeley to Cambridge to let people know we're not happy. I think it would be good for us. All right, so that's Mort Saul. Now, that's a perfect example of we start with movies and we end up about the, you know, the Republican Party. Um, but you know, it's funny when you're t- just having a conversation with somebody, you know, they're, they're just thinking about what your question reminded them of. And he went, talked about movies and how hopeless they are and then hopeless the country is. And then the Republican party. And he's, so you get into that and it's hard sometimes to get back and in, back into the movie uh, topic. So I just let Mort roll and we just went all those directions. Yeah. Now a lot of people might not know that Mort has relocated. Mort Saul mm-hmm. is living in Northern California. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you see him quite frequently. Saw him today. What's great because I knew I was going to show that, uh, play that clip, is that Mort he speaks very detailed. He says, "I read in Rolling Stone an interview with Bill Maher. And sometimes he'll say who wrote it. I mean, and I said, you know, why do you, you do you do that all the time? You you qualify everything and you just uh, you have so much detail in your in your answers. He goes, so that's because I was on the wrong side for so long. People were going to hit me with evidence, like uh, so." Um, what did he say today? You know, like the Kennedy thing and all that. And the and the and the um, people say, um, uh, yeah. Well, where's the evidence? Right. And he says the last conversation I had with Jim Garrison, who was the one guy that brought the Kennedy assassination to trial. Garrison says, "Well, I hope you didn't give it to him, because they just want you to go away. You don't don't give him anything." No, that makes sense. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, it's always it's always entertaining to sit with Mort. So that's uh, a l- that's two minutes with Mort Saul. There's a, an hour and a half interview in two parts mm-hmm. that uh, you can get to it through markpitta.com. This is what I want to talk about, Mark. Yes. You asked me to listen to some podcasts. Yeah. And I went to iTunes. And I don't know where else to go to find I- to find podcasts except for iTunes. Then that made me think, well, how are people finding my podcast if they don't have iTunes, or if you go to iTunes, you actually have to write my name on my show to see it. That's right. So I don't know who, where those other podcasts get the top billing. Or, well, do you know anything about su- that? Succotash. Stop it. They get it through Succotash. No. So you can go to markpetta.com and get a link there, although this show is not linked there yet. Did you pick something, or is this another one of mine? This is one of yours, uh, but this is one of our favorites here, uh, David Feldman's comedy podcast. What I like about David's podcast is he has well-produced bits that he has written with his staff. Now, I almost want to call David right now. First of all, how do you have a staff? How do you have actors that want to play uh, your 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 scripts for free, want to record that? And he had Andrea Martin on. Yeah. It's like, how does he get these people? He has Kevin Rooney on all the time. He's got all these great I understand Rooney, because, uh, uh, you know, he's Rooney, yeah. a comedy writer. He wants to support that. But, sure. But people like Andrea Martin, who's still working. I mean, how do you get these people? Anyway, so I picked a piece that uh, he just takes something that was in the news and wrote a, a comedy piece about it. And Let's 
Give a listen. Put to it Dave. up on its feet. David Feldman. David Mamet, the Pulitzer Prize winning playwright, announced he finally realized he's a conservative. Or perhaps Mamet realized it's finally safe to admit he's a conservative. Regardless, undergoing a political awakening at 63, when most people Mamet's age are completely set in their ways, well, it's commendable. We salute Mamet's intellectual resilience as well as his courage to be the only conservative in Hollywood. Let's turn to another only conservative in Hollywood, the creator of 24 Joel Cerno, Chris Pinna reports. Joining us now is Joel Cerno. Yes, well, as you may have heard, David Mamet, the Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright, has revealed himself to the world as a conservative. But now that Mr. Mamet is a conservative, he has rewritten many of his famous works. For instance, here's a clip from his new play, Glengarry Glenn Beck. Remember, people, A, B, C, always be crying, always be crying. <laughs> Excuse me, but who are you? Who am I? I'll tell you who I am. Fudge you. That's who I am. Fudge you. Shut the fudge up, you mother-fudging fudge face. I see Mr. Mamet has cleaned up his language a bit. Yes, now that he's a conservative, he's eliminated that word that he used to use in every sentence in his old plays. He's still dropping F-bombs. They're just different, more family-friendly F-bombs. He's packed fudge into every scene. And speaking of bombs, you said he wrote a new version of The Spanish Prisoner? Yes, this one is called The Guantanamo Prisoner. Here's a clip of an Al-Qaeda prisoner being interrogated. So you won't talk? I won't talk. I want you to talk. You want me to talk? Talk. Me? Yes, you. To talk? Tell me what I want to know. What you want to know? So you won't talk? I won't talk. I want you to talk. You want me to talk? Tell me what I want to know. What you want to know? So talk. Talk? Okay, you know, enough of this. I thought the speaking stilted mammoth's dialogue would be enough to break you, but now I guess it's time for some enhanced interrogation. Come in, dear. No, no, you're not subjecting me to... That's right, Victoria Jackson. Did you see Glee this week? Sickening. And besides, shoving the gay thing down our throats, they made a mockery of Christians again. I wonder what their agenda is. Hey, producers of Glee, what's your agenda? One-way tolerance? No, please make her stop. I'll talk, I'll talk. What matters is what the Bible says. And I'm really concerned about our country because immorality is, well, let's see, secular humanism rules the airwaves, and it's stealing the innocence away from this whole generation of children. I'll talk. I'll talk. I'll talk. Just make Victoria Jackson stop talking. Powerful stuff, huh? And now that he's a conservative, David Mamet loves corporations and thus corporate sponsorship, as expressed in his new rewritten play, American Buffalo Wings. You like these wings? These wings? Buffalo wings. They're hot. And spicy. Hot and spicy. But cooled. By the dressing. Ranch dressing. They're military. They support our troops. Because they're made by the colonel. Colonel Sanders. Kentucky Fried Chicken. KFC. 
That's the kind of terse, exciting, dramatic dialogue that only David Mamet can write. Are you producing any other conservative David Mamet rewrites that you can tell us about? Well, he's decided to not just rewrite himself, but other playwrights as well. He's improving Tennessee Williams with A Streetcar Named Desire to Reduce the Deficit, William Inge with The Debt Ceiling at the Top of the Stairs, and Shakespeare with Love's Labor's Lost Its Collective Bargaining Rights. When will those be airing? Well, they will be premiering on... I'm just kidding. I have no interest in seeing any of them. Joel Cerno, thank you for joining us. Thank you. So what I want to say there is that you, you notice there's a lot of production. Oh, yes. Uh, one, two, at least four or five actors in yep. there. And and this is a, my overall view of all podcasts. Is anyone making money? I mean, there's a lot of work going on. There's a lot of work going on. There's a little bit of sponsorship happening. Um, I mean, uh, I was listening to uh, Greg Fitzsimmons today, actually. You know, and he started this thing we talked about actually in the show a couple of weeks ago where he's got an eBay thing where people can actually can, – they can bid to have a mention on the show. Mm. And it's actually it's actually working. So they do it like every week now. They have this eBay thing happening where just regular people or – Well, that gives me an idea for Mark Pitta's PayPal podcast coming up next. <laughs> uh, if you put money in my PayPal account, you will be a guest. Nice. I like it. And uh, But there's a lot of people doing things for free. and uh, we're, I, do, we're doing this out of the love of our hearts. I think it'll evolve. I think it's an evolving scene, and we're going to see sponsorships yeah. begin to happen. And, and all the podcasts I've chosen to play today um, are studio-produced – my podcast is a little recorder because I like to record on the move, on the go. Sure. Because you get more people that way. I would not have gotten Jimmy Fallon had I not been in New York, said I want to stop by to say hi, and after a show on Friday, I said, can, can you answer five questions for my podcast in the, his green room? Okay. Well, that couldn't have happened if I go, could you come to the studio? Yeah. On, you know. So yeah, no, I I've... like to be more mobile. Um, let's uh, get to a brand new feature we have on Sakatash. I ran into... Uh, our friend Will Durst at a uh, Memorial Day uh, barbecue, which you didn't show up to. Oof, I was so I, I was drained from I was lead, yeah, I did Dana Carvey the night before. Uh, I'm sorry. I performed a oh. benefit with Dana Carvey oh, okay. where I I interviewed him for two hours on stage. Wow. And with clips, and I was just exhausted the sure. next day. Yeah. So anyway, so I ran into Will and said, "Hey, would you like to do the podcast sometime?" He says. I'll do it every week. And I said, what do you mean? He says, well, I do these, these little pieces that I send out to like 10 radio stations. And I will do one specifically for Succotash. How about that? And I'll send it to you for every show. So uh, we have- Free! A, yes, we actually have a- That's my point. A, we have a double dose of Durst today uh, as sort of an intro to him. And here's the first one where he's talking about uh, Medicare. Hey, guys. Will Durst here with a few words about the Republican plan to reform Medicare, which is a lot like saying the tornado plan to reform trailer courts. Of course, I'm talking about Paul Ryan's budget, in which he uses a chainsaw to perform major surgery on Medicare without benefit of an anesthetic. His plan is to replace unlimited blanket care for elders with fixed-value vouchers. Coupons. He's going to hand out health care coupons. Why? Well, because it would save lots of money that he then plans to give to rich people through increased tax cuts. And besides, old people like coupons. We might even be able to convince Groupon to move into the healthcare field. Colonoscopies, normally $5,000, today only 1200 But we need to pre-sell 2500 by 4 p.m. Then we could phase in early bird organ transplants and discounted cardiac defibrillators at the Everything for a Dollar store. 
Newt Gingrich called the plan right-wing social engineering before being taken to the woodshed, after which he recanted and said any ad that Democrats air using his quote is a lie, which is redundant because every ad using one of his quotes is a lie. Donald Trump called it the Republican death wish, and when Trump is the guy in your party willing to speak truth to power, baby, you get problems. What has the GOP run and scared is a recent special election, where the Democrats used the Medicare issue to win a New York congressional seat that had been in Republican hands since Ichabod Crane ran on the Whig ticket. Admittedly, it's a long way to the 2012 elections, especially when you consider American voters have the attention span of high-speed lint, but you might want to get used to seeing ads with old people being attacked by tax-cut zombies. That's the bad news. The good news is only 17 months until the election. Forgive me while I slip into the fetal position to wait it out. For Suckatash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. Oh, Brad, I wish this moment could last forever. Oh, I wish it would too, Letitia. But you'll have to excuse me. I have to go to the bathroom. Jack Bauer wouldn't have to go to the bathroom, especially at a time like this. Jack Bauer? The guy from 24? In eight seasons, that guy saved the world over 23 times and never once had to spoil the moment by having to go to the bathroom. Gee, I wish I could be more like Jack Bauer. Me too, Brad. The wedding's off. Now you can control your bladder just like TV special agent Jack Bauer with the Bowtrow from Henderson's, modeled after the actual trousers worn by Jack Bauer of the hit TV show 24. The Bowtrow allows the wearer up to 24 hours of complete bowel and bladder control without pain, discomfort, or permanent damage to sensitive intestinal or urinary tracts. Before Bowtrow, avoiding embarrassing moments like these could only be achieved after months of difficult exercises, painful catheterization, or bulky adult diapers. But now, thanks to the same fabrics used on U.S. government restraining tables, the Bowtrow gently but firmly puts that call of nature on hold, freeing you up to save the world or just your little piece of it. It's a beautiful moon tonight, Brad. And if you'll notice, we've been staring at it for over six hours. Yes. Thank Thank you, Bowtrow. Bowtrow from Henderson's. Innovation in trousers and pantaloons since 1896. And now back to more of Suckatash. Ah, yes. Henderson Pants. We were talking about sponsors. We have... Fortunately, Henderson's Pants every week, every show. But uh, Mark, that's not real. It's real to us. Again, people <laughs> writing, producing, and performing for free. I know. I know. Well, uh, we are going backwards. I know. In fact, we, that was our first uh, time featuring the Succotash players <laughs> on, on, on the Henderson Pants. Yeah, me and my wife. Right? <laughs> I don't want to get a negative idea. that it, Why are we doing this for free? It, we, are, we need to perform in any way we can. So uh, I, my first wife, my starter wife, she said once, like I was putting, I was putting movie clips in between songs on a tape. We used to listen to tapes, and uh, she goes, "What are you doing that for? That you, you're not gonna make any money doing that." I go, "I just have a creative side, and I just need to do it." You know, so that's what I think. We all have a creative side. I remember that you made me a tape yeah. once with those. We call them, we call them tunes tapes. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you ever hear my Jack Bauer outgoing message? I, I don't do an impression of Kiefer Sutherland, okay. but this is Jack Bauer's outgoing message. Yeah. I was Jack Bauer. I'm not home right now. Leave a message. Now! <laughs> you know how many times he said now on that show? A when, lot. Because people wouldn't do things he wanted the first time. 
That's right. So we had to shop the gun now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, what's well, his go-to move? That was Jack Bauer's go-to move. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the next clip yes. is, I don't know how you feel about uh, Jay and Silent Bob. You might be fans. You might not. But what I like about Jason Mewes is he is genuine. And when you listen to, and, and how Kevin Smith sets this up, he didn't want to give it away uh, because this, I, I'm totally 100% believe this is Jason Mewes' real reaction to what he's going to talk about. Okay. And uh, this is a different podcast because this is done in front of a live audience. Um, uh, speaking of uh, the Germans and villains and history and whatnot, you were uh, fascinated. Like last night, you were, the I think, the fourth person that came in to wake me up. I was already awake to tell me that uh, what had happened and whatnot. No. And tell me, try to, try to tell them like you told me last what? night. <laughs> what was that? I didn't make well, they had it last night because I appreciated we were all feeling patriotic and the sentiment was there but literally don't try to explain it just tell them what you said to me i came in i was like yo osama poseidon is dead he did osama poseidon didn't surrender and they and they took him and i was just like i didn't want to say anything because he was so he was like he was so excited as if batman had beaten his arch villain osama poseidon and (laughs) But I, I mean, I got the gist of what he was talking about, but it wasn't until this morning that I was like, you were kidding, right? And he was like, what do you mean? No, that really happened. It killed it did. The president Osama made a statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The president got up and he's like, look, we, uh, you know, we went in and we killed o- Osama Poseidon and oh, we have thing. his body. All, his name. I have his recording. I have the recording of him giving the speech. Yes, and in his speech, I'm sure he didn't say Poseidon. He wasn't like, we summoned up the Kraken to kill this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, okay, Oba- it's, oh, it's Obama Osama. Poseidon. No, Osama, Jesus Christ. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Who are you, Donald Trump? It's uh, <laughs> Osama bin Laden, three words. Os- Osama bin <laughs> you writing Laden. it down? It's too late, he's dead. <laughs> You don't have well, to just, memorize his name anymore, man. Well, just in case I'm going to write like a, a speech or something, like a eulogy for him. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, against him, dude. Against, against him. Against him, yes. Um, you, but you it, were affected by it. I saw a lot of people having a lot of different reactions across the country today in picture form. Even my wife in the back of the bus today was very emotional. I'd be sitting there. I sit at a table that's kind of across from her. She sits uh, uh, with her back against the back of the bus wall watching TV. And I sit at a table across from her, and she had her laptop open. She was just reading all the news and stuff. And she would periodically look up from her laptop and just go and bite the lip down yeah. because it was, like, really emotional and shit like that. And I was like, what was it? And she was like, a picture. And she'd spin the computer, and you see, like, a picture of people dancing in the fucking streets, like Ewoks and whatnot. Just <laughs> like the end of Star Wars when they're like... Very much. Just a planet-wide yeah. fucking celebration, almost like the end of The Wiz. Can you feel a brand new day? Now, how do you feel about that, Mark? Um, do you think that was real? Yeah, Jason I, Mewes would actually say Osama Poseidon. Uh, yes, I think he would. Because <laughs> he's a crackhead. I think he's a little unhinged, quite frankly. <laughs> That's the their, their dynamic that I like. That guy's genuine, and yeah. uh, Kevin Smith knows how to take advantage of that. Now, the first half of those things, because when I went to see it live, he's got his other partner that he does. Kevin Smith does a show with another guy whose name I can't remember right now. Is that the one about movies? 
Um, no, nah, it's another. He does a bunch of different things. Okay. And the one they did here at the Warfield, it was a guy. I think I mean they did talk about movies actually. Yeah. Um, now Joe Rogan's a guy who's got a podcast called the Joe Rogan Experience, and he does a podcast that sometimes will go two and a half hours. And you talk about it, how does anyone listen to these things? So, mm. uh, I, well, and still stay tuned for my tip. Yes, which we'll talk get to after this. But I want you to listen. To, I want you to hear this clip specifically because he and his guest Al Madrigal are talking about. Um, how technology is sort of uh, fractionalizing the live audience at a comedy club with cell phones and iPads and stuff like that. Yeah. So listen to this clip, and then we'll talk a little bit about that and your special tip. Okay. I've not heard this. I've been sort of snapping on people a little bit by interacting. In the audience? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> snapping. Well, just, uh, like, for example, I mean, the other day, at the, you know, and I uh, insist on being a glutton for punishment and going to the store, and there's this uh, black girl... On her phone. Oh, no. And I address it right away. She's not even looking up. And I say, hey, how you doing? <laughs> she refuses to get off it. So I'm talking to her the whole time, but she's going to make a point and be stubborn. Oh, my God. And I'm going to be stubborn at the same time, and I'm not going to let her off the hooks. So it's me, like, versus <laughs> And I can't help but address it. So I think when you get in a live show is, yeah, that loose atmosphere where, I mean, and you've had me at a couple of these sals. Yes. Shows. That yeah. message to that woman's phone was, by the way, this is your doctor. You have breast cancer and your child's on fire. Yeah, yeah. No, they try to say that a lot of times. Sometimes when you catch somebody on the phone, they'll yeah. go, well, I don't have a sitter and I have my kids, so... And they right. try to make you feel bad yeah. and make some shit up yeah. about these fake kids that they have. <laughs> Even if you do have kids, you should yeah. know you're being annoying to other people. Yeah, go fuck. outside. I have no problem with people going outside. Yeah. I got in a big beef in, in South by Southwest because some asshole had his iPad 2 out the day after it came out. So he's sort of showing everybody. Right. I got an iPad 2 and check it out. You know, so is he filming you? Front row. No, he's not filming. He's tweeting. We found out that he was tweeting to 32 people in the front row. And I go, dude, put away your iPad. Everybody knows you got an iPad. It's nice. I go, if you were a reporter or a journalist and you were on an iPhone or iPad in the back, you're in the front row, there shouldn't be this disconnect between audience. You know, right. audience, you're at a live show. Quit, look me in the face. You know, right. and, and don't. I hate it when I'm at the Laugh Factory and people look in the fucking monitors that are on the side. And so now there's this guy with this iPad too. And so I had it be, I told him, I was going to put my foot through it. Now I was going to put my foot through his face because he wow. got shitty with me. You have temper. I forgot about that. You have oh, a magical. huge temper. I, I you want, you wanted temper. To, to hurt this person physically. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I was trying. Then I tried to bring what it What if he was crazy, man? What he if was he crazy. He, he, he did jump up. Ass. He did jump up. Really? Um, I feel like I'm in a good position. I don't know if I would have <laughs> fought at that point. But I love the vantage point of a comedian. Like being I said, I come up to you and then being able, they'd have to go down low and then immediately. You would get the first shot off, yeah. Yeah. So, but if he was a big, crazy guy, you said he was big? No, he was a little foreigner. A little was, foreigner? Yeah, just strutting around his fucking iPad. That's what it was. A little yeah. foreigner, says Al Madrigal. Yeah. Oh, I pretty much You get lumped into the, the Latino comedy thing. You All did for time. a little while, right? No, no, still. I mean, still? getting a lot of those shows and the opportunities that, because I feel like it's like with Greg Giraldo, who I you know loved as a comic, and I thought he's, he's incredible. Um you but know, he was he a comic, was, period. Just a comic. Yeah. That's why I didn't even know I was a Latino comic until I fucking moved to L.A. They do all those chocolate Sundays <laughs> yeah. shows. They used and to they have me do the Guido. Day. I did the Guido show a few times <laughs> yeah. at, um, at the comedy store. Night. But it's like, man, I don't want to be on the show with these fucking guys just because we share some patch of dirt where our grandparents fucked. I just, uh, you know? yeah, I, I just think comic first. And yeah. then 
I yeah. think those guys, also a lot of Latino comics, you end up doing those same Latino shows over and over and over again. Right. And then when you finally get put in a situation that they're ill-prepared to handle regular people, you know, that can't, that aren't specifically Latino. All right, so that is uh, Al Madrigal uh, guesting on the Joe Rogan experience. So what they were talking about earlier about the whole um, uh, technology getting in the way, I know at the, at the Throckmorton you run into that a lot, people on their phones. It's amazing, and uh, I'll, I'll address this to the audience. Okay, you are in the dark. I, the comedian, is the only one lit. Therefore, when you have a glowing object, you are now lit. So you're the only one we see. So how could we not talk to you and say, turn that thing off? It happens all the time. One guy, I kept, I kept badgering him, and then he just hides it. And then I start talking, and he pulls it out again. I say, you're doing it again. He goes, my father is ill, and I need to know what's going on. Now, after the show, I hear from a woman who knew the guy. And she goes, I don't know why he said that. His dad's been dead for five years. <laughs> so this guy had some problems, you know. My thing is this. If, you, if you're not going to turn your phone off, at least have your ring be people laughing. <laughs> so when you pull it out of your pocket, you're, you're still involved in the show. And they're like, ha, 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 hello. You know. So, I like it. Yeah, I, I like, like it. So here's my tip yes. uh, for listening oh, to yes. podcasts. Uh, do something else. Put the podcast on and have it in the room. But clean your office or clean your kitchen or... Do some other thing. Otherwise, you're going to feel like, oh, I'm not listening to podcasts anymore because they take up too much of my time. So get something else okay. done, and then you'll feel like it's just entertainment. Just like, oh, let me say, the, I'm just spitballing here, the radio. Sure. That's how we use the radio. Sure. Podcasts are better because you can go back. I miss something. I'm going to go back, yeah. which you can't do on radio. Well, one of the good things about Succotash is we have all these different clips. So you get samples of what's going on yeah. without having to go, oh, I'm still listening to Joe Rogan two hours from now. So mm -hmm. I, I don't have time, like you said. With say. the expertise of comedians saying, these are my favorites. Now, the reason I like Larry Miller, I could Love listen to Larry. Love Larry Miller. I could listen to him all yes. day long. And this, I found this intriguing that he's inadequate when it comes to women back in the day. And, and he talks about what happened. And it's it's only Larry Miller can, can tell you the story in this way. I got called on Facebook by someone I used to have a huge crush on. I was not very, uh, I was a little, I was a bit of a late bloomer when it came to women. I was a little backward. And uh, I was, it, it, I really knew nothing. It, it, it took me years to develop the astonishing techniques I currently enjoy. But it was, I was, I was, I was really backward when it came to women. If the most beautiful girl in the world, which let's see at that point, who would, who would that have been in 1975? I don't know. Let's say, I, I don't know, Allie McGraw or anyone like that. If she had suddenly come into my dorm room and had taken her clothes off and said, let's go. I would really have had almost no idea what to do. I had a good sense of the biology, but almost zero sense of the geometry. I really had no sense of, and I had a, a tremendous desire, but I really had just only the vaguest sense that something was supposed to go somewhere. And uh, there was a girl, and I won't say, uh, you know, won't say her name, but uh, her first name was Lori, and she just sent me something on Facebook. I'm still regretting, by the way, that I, I joined this Facebook thing. I don't know how I'm going to get off, but I have to get off because I'm only making enemies now because people send me things, and then if I don't respond, either I'm away. I don't want, I don't need to talk to people, and if I don't respond, then I get another note back from the guy saying, don't you remember? What's the matter? You don't like me? You don't want to be my friend? And it's 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 frankly annoying, and I, I and I get I don't I don't want to make people mad, but 
she sent me one, and I saw the name. She's got three names now because she's married, but it's Lori, and then her last name from my days, and then uh, her married name. And my mouth just dropped because I had such a crush on this girl. This was the summer before senior year, and I was working in the dining hall again. I was spending the summer up there. It's a great place to work. And they had a music camp up there, and these folks all came up from uh, New York, and they were in this music camp. That is uh, string quartets, and they all played violas and violins and things like that. And I got to know them and be friends with them, and there was a guy, Henry, there, who became like my best friend in the summer. And he knew I had a huge crush on... Lori and I was just too dumb. I could never say anything to. I, I didn't even know how to ask someone out at that point. And that we went through the whole summer. And Henry and I did everything together. We ran laps together. We, uh, you know, played football, tossed the baseball around together. And uh, then I showed him some of the bars in town. There was nothing else open there because it was summer. And we we were more or less together all the time. It was great. We had a lot of fun together. And he said to me. In the middle of August, we'd already been there about six weeks. He said to me, and he just knew, oh, I, I had such a crush on this girl. He said to me, I've got a surprise for you. He said, just be, be at your room at midnight tonight. And I knew that he had set me up with her because they were such good friends. She and he had been friends for many years in these music camps. And I knew he, he had made this connection, whatever that was. And I did what the only thing I knew how to do at that point. I made the bed. I shaved. I put on my good jeans. I actually went to a store in town and got incense. I had no idea what I was doing. But I lit a stick of incense and stuck it in the dresser there. And I'm all set. And I got a bottle of wine. <laughs> wine is such cheap stuff. And I, I, got, I got a bottle of wine. That's right. White jug wine. Wow. And, uh, and opened it up. I had the two glasses ready. Comes midnight. And there's a knock on the door, and I've got, I, oh, that's right, I got aftershave, too. I think I got Jade East or something just horrifying like that. And I'm loaded with this stuff, and a knock comes on the door, and I open the door with a big smile, and Henry's there, and I just stuck my head out in the hallway, and I said, come on in, come on in. And uh, where is she? And he said, what are you talking about? He said, uh, I said, what's going on? What's, this, what's the surprise? And he said to me, the surprise is, I'm gay and I want to have an affair with you. And I just looked at him for a second. Now, this was long before that I, I had done really anything with anyone. And I said, uh, really? I said, so this is not about Laurie? And he said, no. And he said, uh, he said you're not mad, are you? And I said, no, I'm thrilled. At least it's nice to know I'm getting through to someone. That I... I I, frankly, and I still think the same thing. I was, it was a great compliment. It's nice to know another human wants to be next to you. Now, I said, it's, it's the wrong team. I mean, I, I, it's frankly very flattering, but I thought you'd set me up with her. And here I'm standing. By the way, I turned down the bed. I was so stupid, as if she came up. What were we going to do, get into the bed? After never really having gone out, I just knew nothing about anything. Plus, I'm loaded with Jade East. I, I've got two wine glasses out there and a candle and incense burning. It was so stupid. I think I even turned on a transistor radio. Isn't it funny how a 19-year-old prepares? But you know what? It's wonderful to think that at a certain point, you know so little. I hope my kids know as little as that. Because you know what? I wouldn't change that for the world. Now, what I like about Larry is that you never saw that coming. No. 
He no. thought he was building this lorry thing, and he threw aside oh, yeah. the guy he hung with. We had a good time. And you never see it coming. He's a great storyteller. I love Larry Miller. We've played him here before, and I'm sure we'll have him on again. And, and there's uh, a guy you could tell he's such a, a veteran because he's in a studio like this, and he knows who his audience He's playing to no one, but he's done it so long. He knows you're out there listening. So you see what I gave you here, Mark? Yes. I gave you, I gave you Mort gold. Saul. I know. Mort Saul, and then I, and then you know, on, in his apartment. Then you yes. got, then you got uh, two guys in front of people. Then you got Larry Miller just talking to a mic, and then you got uh, coming up is yeah. another prepared. Well, David Feldman prepared piece. So yeah. give me a lot of. It's a great. I'm gonna say I'm giving you a lot of succotash. It's a, it is a succotash. It is definitely a succotash. Uh, speaking of which, is uh, you've brought a clip from uh, somebody else that we've played before that we enjoy, Greg Fitzsimmons, Love of Greg. Fitz Dog Radio, and uh, this is another round of uh, him playing uh, "Talk Your Way Out of It," I suppose. Talk your way out of it. Just try to talk your way out of it. It's the crazy Fitz Dog game. We're going to play Talk Your Way Out of It. Let's see. Who should we play with today? I'm going to go Kevin Kraft on this one because you've been in awkward situations. I'm going to give you one right now, and I'm going to see if you can talk your way out of it. Sound fair enough? Let's do it. Okay. You go to your friend's house, right? And uh, you want to smoke some pot. So he says there's some matches in the bedroom. You go in the bedroom. You're looking around. You open up the bedside table. You look in. You see some matches. Right next to the matches, you see a dildo, right? It's your, it's your buddy's wife's dildo. And you can't help yourself. You pick it up. You start sniffing it. Jeez. Friend walks in. Talk your way out of it. Dude, I'm sorry it had to come to this, but, I mean, you got to just take this for what it is. It's a compliment. I mean, your wife is, is hot. I mean, if she was some... Big fat slob. I would not be sniffing this dildo right now. But she's cute. I mean, I, I don't want to have sex with her. I don't want to cross that boundary. But a little whiff goes a long way. And I'm sorry if this makes things weird between us. Um, let's go smoke that bowl and just forget this ever happened. I'd let you out. I'd let you slide on that. Sweet. I think it'd still be weird. I think the pot smoking would make it weirder, actually. I'd probably say, let's hold off on the pot smoking until we let this, let, let's let this thing ground itself out for a few days, and then we'll smoke some pot. Yeah, maybe shots. I think shots would be the way to go. Yeah. Okay. Okay, let's go over to our friend Nuzzy. I'm going to give you one. That was very impressive, but It was way. good, right? Yeah, that was really good. Okay, let's yeah. see if you can handle yourself as well. While on the phone with your mother... You scribble a note to your wife, sorry, I know that hurt, <laughs> saying, quote, pretend the dog is sick to get me off the phone with my mother. The next day, your mom comes over with a toy for the dog, sees the note on the kitchen table, talk your way out of it. Oh, mom, this was just something that uh, the, the wife and I, we were just fooling around. We were playing Pictionary, and uh, and this was one of the... Uh, it was one of the things that we were using when we were playing Pictionary. It's like a... Uh, isn't Pictionary where you uh, make a picture for the message? You know, you're absolutely right. It, it's <laughs> Scategories. It was, that was the thing. It was actually... Uh, it was, uh, we were playing Scategories. I'm not as good at this uh, game as Isn't Kevin. Scategories where you write a false definition? Um, 
<laughs> Mom, I just didn't want you on the fucking phone with me. That's what I thought. Yeah. I couldn't talk my way out of it. Let me give you yeah. some chicken soup, darling. Free range chicken soup? Hey, Nazi. <laughs> well done, Eliana. Are you ready? We're going over a fucking triple header. Talk your way out of it. Let's see what my staff so far. Two for two. UPS guy asks if you'll sign for a package for your neighbor. You sign. You immediately open the box. You find a Ziploc bag filled with cocaine. Your roommate walks in, insists that you call the police. As you're giving your report to the cops, your neighbor enters, asking if you received a box with his father's ashes in it. Talk your way out of it. Uh I, I I did receive a box, um, but it, it looked a little whiter than ashes would be, and so I thought it to be something else. Um, and I think we should talk about this. Why did you open my box? Uh, well, I signed for it, and I figured I should check to make sure that it was not broken. And Two out of three. I'm talking <laughs> your way out of it. Now, t- do you think... Greg writes those? Uh, well, when he had um, uh, somebody else on doing this game, he, he, he copped the fact. He just kind of makes it up yeah. just before he plays the game. But I have a feeling he started to write them down because some of them were so lame yeah, yeah. that uh, he was getting caught out with them. That's a pretty good game. Probably only one you could pl- do on a podcast, really. There's probably other games. Maybe yeah. we can come up with one today. Genius. Okay. Uh, so let's uh, let's go to... Uh, let's, just, let's do one right now. I'm going to challenge you. Okay, go Give, ahead. Make me do a, a talk you're out of it. Just make it up. Go. I don't want to steal Greg Fitzsimmons' game. No, no. This is a, this is complimenting. This is paying homage to Greg. Okay, talk your way uh, out. By the way, I don't think... I know Greg. I don't think he's going to call us and go, you fuckers. Oh, you're probably right. Uh, gosh. Uh, all right. So you, uh, you come home from a, a hard day at work, and uh, you're making yourself a sandwich in, in your kitchen. And <laughs> I don't know where this is going. I know because you don't you don't work a hard day. Um, <laughs> By the way, it's a fantasy. <laughs> oh wait, let me get into that fantasy mode. Okay, but uh, so you've made yourself the sandwich, and you're halfway through the sandwich, and uh, your wife comes home and uh, wants to know where her Pap smear was that she had in the refrigerator. She was supposed to take to the doctor later that day, and you realize you've used it as a sandwich spread. <laughs> then say the line. Talk your way out of it. Honey, this is delicious. Let's market it and let's make a lot of money. I don't know how Greg gets away <laughs> with playing this game. This is a hard game. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's good. All righty. Uh, let's get to um, uh, the comedy Bang Bang. My final clip I chose. And again, I was looking for something I've never heard on uh, these podcasts. You know, I could have picked people I know, you know, comedians that I know, but I thought, let's let's try something else. And I actually spent an over an hour on, on another show, I won't mention, that after a while, I'm like, this is stupid. So this is Comedy Bang Bang, and the guest is John Mulaney. Mulaney, yep. And he's a writer on Saturday Night Live, and he's a comedian. And I found this interesting, talking about his relationship with uh, Bill Hader and getting the character Stefan on Weekend Update, and there's a, there's a surprise. Okay. Someone told me regarding the Stefan pieces, uh, and we'll get into other pieces you do um, as well, as well as uh, the rest of your career. The breadth. We'll go through everything I've worked on on the show. <laughs> Slowly. 
talking about every uh, update feature in Sketch. But I am I am fascinated by this one piece of trivia which I read, which I, I now that I have you here in front of me, uh, and you are in front of me. Yeah, we are eyeball to eyeball. Mm-hmm. This is not like that awful Terry Gross where you're in you're in New York and she's in Philadelphia. <laughs> but um, one thing I read is that you you changed the jokes right before the taping. Or... Yeah, 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 yeah. Well. Um... So, like, a lot of things on the show are changed between dress and air. But mm-hmm. because when we started doing <laughs> the first time we did Stefan uh, on Update, it was like we were it was kind of a long shot. And it was very funny to Bill and I. And we were very excited that we were getting to do it at dress. <laughs> and I think uh, we'd been working on it. We got nervous about it. And uh, we were tweaking it. And, and then when he finally did it on air, I think he, I mean, genuinely, like, we really liked the joke. So he started laughing. And uh, it, there was, it was very fun. And it was a very genuine, like, break. The sheer delight of him yeah. getting this thing on the air that's so silly. That was so, like you said, specific and, and weird. And then we like really write a lot of ideas to go into one of the Stefan features. And so, uh, I just got used to throwing in new ones for air and would then I started to get a kick out of like trying to make him laugh (laughs) through that. And, uh, now there'll be ones like very down to the wire. Like, you know, it's like 11, uh, 45 and updates going to start at midnight and I'll be like the new club owner's name is Baloney Danza and I just tell them once because you can't like just put people I someone said do you just put them on cue cards you can't just put things on cue cards because like you you wouldn't you know, know what you're your reading. eyeball yeah. would just stop yeah um, so you're a doctor right I am a, uh, an eye doctor <laughs> why oh because I said eyeball right um, so uh, yeah so I like to throw those in one time I didn't have a new joke and uh, he was, there was a Christmas Stefan where he sang the 12 days of like Stefan Christmas or something. <laughs> and it, it was, um, it was instead of two turtle doves, it was Taylor Negron. <laughs> and so I didn't, I just, I didn't have a new joke to throw in. So right before he walked out, I printed out a photo of Taylor Negron. And I autographed it to Bill. Thank you for never making fun of me. (laughs) And I just handed it to him, and I was like, you need to see this before you go out there. That was my attempt on that one. Oh, that sounds like just a marvelous uh, place to work. I mean... It's uh, really fun. I mean, like, I think people who are fans of the show have read the books about it and mm -hmm. stuff, and it can sometimes be painted as cold and, and oppressive environment oppressive yeah. yeah or like you know alienating and people don't get along and there's lots of clicks and i i have not had that experience and i don't think this era is that way at all Right. It's just, I'm not saying that that wasn't people's experience. But I think much like high school, I'm sure it would be, or any kind of school, middle school, night school, um, school. it would be uh, up to uh, every person's experience would be different and sort of based on their own personality conflicts. That is is definitely something to keep in mind. And you've always been a really nice, easygoing guy and you must, uh, you know, carry that over into your professional life, I would imagine. I try to be nice and easy. That's true. So that's uh, the guys from Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, Now, I've never heard his name mispronounced. Taylor Nick. It's Negron. Taylor Negron. Yeah, Taylor Maybe, ne- maybe they said Negron because it had to do the rhyme of the 12 Days oh. of Christmas, but Taylor Negron, if you didn't know, is a very funny stand-up, very yeah. good performer, actor. He was the pizza guy in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. And uh, I just found that funny that uh, 
that how obscure is that? Very obscure. Yeah. Now, uh, Comedy Bang Bang, uh, up until just a month ago, was called uh, Comedy Death Ray Radio. Uh, for a number of years, they've been doing a live show in L.A., and they they changed their whole theme song and everything else. So. Uh, they're uh, they're they're doing well. I love listening to that uh, particular show myself. By the way, go back to uh, Greg Fitzsimmons for a second. That yes. song about talk your way out of it that yes. had to be Kevin Meany. It sounded like Kevin Meany. Kevin Meany. Yeah, and yeah. He, yeah, I think that's who it was because he had him on as, as a guest okay. a, uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah. So. But I enjoyed that uh, comedy bang bang, and uh, I don't. I didn't even know that comedian writer for SNL, John Mulaney. Yeah. And I and I emailed him if he wanted to ever work the Throckmorton because oh, I heard okay. some of his stuff. And I enjoyed that. That's I actually do. I do a lot of work for my show. Of really watching YouTube clips, listening to. Uh, it's amazing how much comedy I listen to, and that's why I, you know, I get a little bored because I see the the jokes coming. Yeah, I've heard from three separate comics, and I, I, I know they didn't steal it from each other. Don't ever wear a red shirt at Target. I mean, how many times are you gonna hear that joke? And they have the same tag, which is. So I acted like I worked there. You know, it's it's three <laughs> different comics, the same joke, the same tag, and I know they thought that it was the original idea. Yeah. Huh. So I, that's why I like Larry Miller so much because you just don't, you never, I'm always surprised with Larry Miller. Larry, now, or as I call him, my impression is uh, Larry Miller. Now, as a, as a stand-up, have you ever had a situation where you've run into that that problem where you have a joke that's the same as someone else's joke? Happened with Kevin Nealon. I used to do a bit about my kindergarten reunion. How was it my kindergarten reunion recently? Boy, people have not changed. Uh, my friend Billy had a, a popsicle stain over his mouth. <laughs> uh, Tom, who's a lawyer now, wet his pants. Uh, you know, and, and it was, it was catered. It was white paste, uh, uh, graham crackers, you know? <laughs> so, uh, at Kevin Nealon, I'm watching David Letterman. He did a bit about his kindergarten reunion. None of the jokes were the same, except the notion that the, the, the setup, the setup. Yeah. yeah. So I wrote Kevin, Kevin, if you ever see me doing a bit on kindergarten reunion, it, it was not your bit. I did it also. I'm not saying you took it from me. I'm saying I have a similar bit. Then I get a letter when people used to mail letters from Kevin saying, Mark, and he wrote, by the way, he wrote the letter on the actual page of the TV Guide with his name on it, on David Letterman. Okay. Mark, I will never do that bit on Letterman again. So that's what he wrote. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> but that uh, happens a while. And Jay Leno did tell me once, he goes, well, did you write it? And I go, yeah. He goes, well, then it's your junk then, if you wrote it. Because Jay did a similar bit that I did about okay. dogs can sense earthquakes before they hit. And I said, my dog stood in a door frame and went like this, boom. You know, his, his sure. arms outstretched. Jay's bit, you know, animals can sense earthquakes before they hit. Yeah, my cat was putting fresh batteries in the flashlight. You know? Okay. So it's the same similar premise. premise yeah. Yeah. So it happens. It happens a lot. And you just don't want to get that one asshole comic that goes, that's my bit. All right. Not, um, not too aggressive. Yeah, I've heard, there are stories of comics that have gotten into fisticuffs over a bit, and it just seems to me, hey, you've got there's a lot of material you can write, so yeah. why hassle over one? Piece? I just I was just reading the New York Times uh, that, that Paul McCartney is going to play Yankee Stadium, and the headline was "Aging Bassist to Play Yankee Stadium," <laughs> and I thought, let's do that with all the the news stories. Let's just make them something like this. So that's, I'm going to work on that later. I like it. And by the way, uh, Congressman Weiner. Gets in trouble for taking picture of his wiener. I don't think these people are giving comedians enough credit. We don't need any help. <laughs> no, could the could the fruit hang any lower? God, so, figuratively it, speaking. Yes. There, see, uh-huh. can we don't need help? No, you could have had a normal name. We would have made a joke. That's right. You don't have to set us up that well. <laughs> put it on a tee for us. All right, we're going to uh, come back and talk to you uh, just before we leave again. But And uh, I have a very special uh, announcement. Oh, excellent. About but, uh, podcasts and my show. Okay, great. Uh, we'll get to it in a second, but first... Uh, we, I would like to talk about it now. No, we're going to talk about it in a minute. we got, a, as I promised, a double dose of Durst uh, uh, coming up. And, not, uh, and, a, and not a fan. Funny, not a fan. Funny. 
<laughs> funny you should mention the whole Wiener thing because his piece right now is about Wienergate. As All right. Means. And by the way, I'm a fan. Okay. It was a joke. Hey, guys. Will Durst here. And trust me, I really wanted to avoid the whole crotch tweeting thing altogether, but it's like trying to ignore a bullfight in a broom closet. The unfortunately named Anthony Weiner has sucked all the oxygen out of the news cycle. It's almost impossible to find out what the subject of today's Sarah Palin revisionist history lesson was. Did Abraham Lincoln declare war on the French to protect tort reform? This whole thing is the New York Democrats' own damn fault. You know that. Wouldn't have been half the outcry if his name wasn't Weiner. Hey, he had a choice of pronunciation. Could have taken a page out of the John Boehner playbook. Of course, Boner and Boehner is way different than Weiner and Weiner. Weiner is still a lousy name for a politician. Appropriate, especially for a Democrat, but lousy. The guy is screwed either way. Of course, he could have gone bold. Yes, it's spelled W-E-I-N-E-R, but it's pronounced Schultz. First Congressman Weiner, and boy, isn't that turning out to be redundant, lied about his unique approach to junk mail, but after allegations started piling up like parking tickets on an abandoned VW van in a white zone, he broke down and admitted his compulsion. One of the six people he claims to have sexted was a porn star who he then tried to get to lie about the relationship, but she refused. Pretty sad when the porn industry has a higher standard of integrity than members of Congress. His sole consolation is that his parents didn't add to the misery by giving him the first name of Richard, or Harry. It's Anthony, Tony Weiner, which sounds like a high-class hot dog. Or the mascot in that animated short we saw in fifth grade health class about the reproductive system. Hi, kids. I'm Tony Weiner. Ready to take an exciting ride down the fallopian tube? Okay, hard hats on. Let's go. And now it turns out that Bill Clinton officiated at the guy's wedding. Well, that explains it all. Looks like we can classify the former president as a carrier. For Suckatash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. Thank you, Will Durst, and thank you, Mark Pitta. Now you uh, threw a new I, one in there. A junk mail. Junk mail, yeah. And my theory is puns don't work ever. The best pun I ever wrote was, my interior decorator is an ex-Nazi. He did my house in Art Dachau. Ah, see what you did there. Uh, okay, now you want me to mention this before we leave, and that's when I had Dana Carvey on the show a couple episodes ago. Dana and I had a little bit of fun at your expense about your podcast, and you wanted me to bring it up. Go well, ahead, I have, have at us. I it was very insulting to hear that podcast because I'm in my room screaming, "Tell them we're friends!" Because those hearing it for the first time, they must think Dana Carvey thinks Mark Pitt is an idiot. <laughs> I, don't, and, I don't. think oh, so. Oh, listen to it again. You don't listen to your own podcast. I who would listen to this? And he says, uh, "I'm much funnier on this podcast than I was on Mark Pitt's podcast." And I go, I laughed at that. I laughed at everyone until the end. And they said, and he said my name like, yeah, Mark Pitta, yeah, right? <laughs> you know, like, they don't know we're friends. Well, you are friends. We're friends. You're friends with Dana. We're both. And I asked you up front, please, let's talk about this in the beginning. And you wait to the very end of your show where you're probably going to cut it. No. So I think there's, a, yeah. No. I think there's, a, there's an agenda there here. There isn't. There's no agenda. With Joe as, a, as my witness. How long have we known each other? Have we ever been roommates? For five years, we were roommates. How long have I known Dana Carvey? A long time. You should have said that on the podcast. I'm sorry. Look, I'm not going to cry, and I, you're I, not going to make me cry. I'm, not, I'm feel, like Cat Baloo. I will I not f- cry. Okay, so for, for the listeners, we were just joking. Okay. We didn't didn't mean it. Well, I'd like to end the podcast on an up note. 
Yes, let's um, do it. I have Richard Lewis coming into the theater on August 2nd after his Cobbs appearance, and okay. he usually does a half an hour. Well, he's agreed to do the second half hour as an encore, and we'll do a live podcast. From the really? Theater. That's yes. fantastic. That's August 2nd. Yeah. The 142 Throckmorton Theater. Yeah. For more information, you can go to uh, markpitta.com. Kind of. Sort of. I hate my own website. Uh, and for the theater, they go to... Uh, 142throckmortontheater.org and theaters with an R-E. It's amazing we get any business with that. Well, you have you wait till you have to listen to all the stuff that oh. our, our booth announcer Bill Haywatt. Oh, Man, Bill is a busy guy at the end of this thing. So I want to thank you, Mark Pitta, for coming in today, uh, for taking the olive branch extended in peace. For me, Mark Pitta, <laughs> and my guest Mark. Hershon. And uh, I also want to thank Joe knowing Polino. me, knowing you, Mark. Okay, until next time, please remember to pass the succotash. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Suckatash, the number one comedy podcast about comedy podcasts, with your host, Mark Hershon, and special guest host, Mark Pitta. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com. Follow Suckatash on Twitter at Suckatash Show, friend Suckatash on Facebook, or email Suckatash at M-A-R-C at SuckatashShow.com. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino at Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our silent booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you that Mark Hershon, Dana Carvey, and Mark Pitta are friends who often get together and pass the Suckatash.